Let's clap our hands one more time. There is a beautiful presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in this house. This is a house of miracles. How many of you have ever received a miracle before? This is a house of miracles. It's more than a community. It's more than a family. It's a place where things change. It's a place where lives change. It's an honor to be here today and uh, to enjoy the worship in English. It's, uh, it's great. And uh, we love O'Fallon Lighthouse. We really do. Uh, Miriam and I have found a home here. And I think if I lived in the United States, I'd move to O'Fallon just to come to this church and be under the ministry of Brother and Sister Buford. They are the most awesome people in the entire world. They really are. Pray God keeps them and continues using them in Madagascar. Well, I was told today that <clears throat> need to limit things to 22 minutes someone had mercy and said 30 minutes and someone else told me I get out at one so but all of that means nothing except for what my wife told me she said babe go until the Lord gets through using you but we've got reservations so well, I'm going to do my best to get in and out of the shoot just as quick as we can here do you turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 2 the book of Luke chapter 2 and also the book of Isaiah chapter 6. I want to just bring this simple thought to you today. He is more than a Savior. He's more than a Savior. Chapter Luke, uh, chapter Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Very familiar portion of Scripture. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And another familiar portion of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 6 in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. If you will give me 22 minutes or 30 minutes or however long it takes till the reservation comes due, I'd like, to, I'd like to talk to you just about this thought. He's more than a Savior. Would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? <clears throat> He's worthy of praise and honor, glory. Amen. God bless you. You can sit down. I hate to give you the good news, but... There are only 274 more days until Christmas. That means any day, any day, Costco is going to be putting out the Christmas trees. It is going to happen. Do you know, to, uh, to many people, Christmas is the tradition to be dragged out and dusted off once a year. But I think, I think we need to be reminded that it's more than a December 25th date. But it really is a fulfillment of the very first promise that God gave to mankind in the book of Genesis. The angels told the shepherds in, in Luke 
2.11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Matthew 1.23 says, behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They'll call his name Emmanuel, which translated is God with us. You know, Isaiah 12.2 is a very interesting verse because the birth of Jesus was not just limited to the New Testament. But it talks about, in, in Isaiah 12, to behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Now, the word God in Hebrew there is Jehovah, which we know. But the word salvation is actually the word Yeshua, which can be translated Jesus. In other words, the end of that scripture says, Jehovah is also become my Jesus. Colossians 1.13 says he's delivered us from the power of darkness, has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And that beautiful scripture that Paul gave Timothy in, in, in 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, because God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. And it had to be that way. God had to become our redemption and our Savior. The Pharisees accurately observed in Mark 2, 7, who can forgive sins but God? It couldn't be a lamb once a year. It couldn't be a few doves. We had to have something far more than that. So God so loved this world knowing that humanity was totally unable to heal themselves from the curse of sin and knowing that he alone can forgive and save from sin, bridge that uncrossable gulf by robing himself in flesh, was born as a man, went through every sorrow, every temptation that we face, and then went to the cross to suffer the most agonizing, horrible death that a man could suffer simply because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Because of his sacrifice and because of him, our sins this morning can be totally washed away totally washed away. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. We've got a Savior. We've got a Lamb that was slain once and forever, and we've got that right to go to them. I'm here to tell anybody in this house that you're tired of this world. You're tired of empty promises. There is a God that is able to change your life and direction this morning. You you can repent of your sins. You can be baptized in his beautiful name and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And ladies and gentlemen, you will never be the same. Therefore, Paul said, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become what might be surprising to some, and I say this carefully because I love the cross and I love Calvary, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross. 
There's just something about that that is beautiful. But, but, but let me play with your theology just a little bit. You can chew on it at dinner time. To only keep Jesus Christ as your Savior totally robs you of the relationship he wants to have with you. It totally destroys what he really can be to you and do for you. A savior is, is one who saves. A savior is one who delivers from a difficult circumstance. Sister Sponsor and I were in the home of, of some friends, and they had a, a little three-year-old who was a live wire. And uh, mom was getting ready with dinner and stuff, and, and she put a plate of cookies up on the refrigerator and told the kid who was in the kitchen with me, don't touch the cookies. He just looked at her. And he didn't know it, but theology was coming to pass in his life. That Adamic nature was just starting to rise up. Because if mom said, I can't have it, it's got to be good. And so mom went off, and I just stood there watching because I knew what the kid was going to do. Um, it wasn't the gift of discernment. It was the gift of I've done it before myself. And so he climbs, opens up the drawers, and climbed up on the cabinet, and then went to lean way over. There was a huge space between the, the refrigerator and, and the kitchen countertop, and he put one foot on the very edge of that countertop, and one foot stretched way out on the refrigerator, and was reaching up with everything he had, but he couldn't quite get the cookies, because they were just a little bit too beyond. And so when he realized he couldn't do it, he wanted to get back. But he couldn't. <laughs> and he looked at me, and said, help. I said, no way, Jack. You got up there. You get down. I'm a good father. Most men would do that. And so he did the only thing he could do. Mom! And in comes mom. Oh, what are you doing? You should not have done that. I told you not to let mommy come and help you get down and put you down on the thing. And I thought, kid. Good thing she's here because I'd have let you fall and break your head. I bet you wouldn't do it again. <laughs> but you know what was wild after mom gave him hugs and kisses and hugs and, and everything's going to be okay and this little bit. <laughs> she left and he looked at the cookies again. <laughs> and he was wondering, how am I going to get there? <sighs> you see, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> That's how humanity is sometimes. God, if, if you'll just get me out of this mess, I promise, I'll never do it again. And they just go back and do it again and again. Oh, but this time I really mean it. I mean, I promise I'll never do it again, but they go and do the same thing. And so the only relationship they have with Jesus Christ is he saves them from a particular circumstance, but never becomes the real thing that he wants to be in their lives. And I'm here to tell somebody he is something more than just a savior and someone more than just will get 
get you out of a difficult circumstance. There's something far greater that the Lord wants to be. You know, one of the greatest statements ever recorded in the Bible is found in the book of John where a conversation between Jesus and Thomas is recorded. And, and Jesus said, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believe it. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. The very first time that personal pronouns were used to describe a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what's very interesting is that that word Lord actually indicates supreme authority. Thomas said, my supreme authority and my God. John in the great book of Revelation records a moment when Jesus Christ is victorious over the devil and, and, and all of his forces. And he, and he writes in 1714, he says, they'll make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome him for he is and here it is, the Lord of lords and king of kings and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. And here we see it, church. Here we see it. He's not just a savior. He's not just an exit sign. He's just not a safety net. No, sir. But when he died and rose again, he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. But he didn't rise as a little baby or a little teacher. But he rose with all power and all authority. He now, ladies and gentlemen, is the king of all kings and the Lord of all king of all lords. I would submit to you that if we're ever really going to know him in the fullness of his glory and power, we're going to have to have that knowledge about him and that relationship with him. If he merely remains a savior, we'll never know him in the fullness of his majesty and his authority. But when we come to the point where he is king of kings, it opens up a whole new world of relationship with him. We need to understand that no one or nothing is greater than our God. Well, three of you believe that. I'm going to tell you again. There is, we need to understand no one and nothing is greater or higher or mightier than our God is. As king, he has all power and authority. That means he has power and authority over every situation, over every circumstance, over our past, over our present, over our future. He is, has all authority. He stated in 2018 of Matthew, all power is given unto me. Now the translation says, all authority is given unto me. You know, we in the U.S. really don't understand the concept of a monarchy or a king. Um, we, we mostly know a more democratic style of government. Some would argue a republic, but clearly not a monarchy. But let me tell you something. When the king gives an order, it's obeyed. When the king grants mercy, that person is pardoned. When the king opens the door, you can walk through it with no worries because the king opened the door. When the king makes a promise, it will be fulfilled because he is the king. And because Jesus Christ is king of all kings and Lord of all lords, he is more, he's this and, and so much more. He has all authority over hell. He has all authority over the devil. He has all authority over governments. He has all authority and dominion over life and death. He has all authority over sickness. Can I tell you something? 
not in my notes, but they were singing up here this song, and it was just really getting on me, and suddenly the thought hit me. In this church, we are about to see a wave of miracles and healing come through like we have never seen before. Mark it, note it, put it down. This is the date. It is happening, and it's going to happen. And not only that, there are prodigals that are going to be coming back in. Because the devil can't keep a prodigal back when he suddenly comes to himself and says, I'm coming back to my dad's house. You hear me. The king is in charge. Not the devil, not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not anybody. Jesus Christ is in charge of it all. That's why I can go to him in confidence for whatever the situation might need. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Don't be afraid of the word grace. Sometimes we Pentecostals are a little afraid because we've seen abuse of the word grace. Ladies and gentlemen, that word grace is awesome. It's a beautiful word. Ephesians says, for by grace we're saved. <sighs> We can obtain mercy. He's king. But you hear me. As a child of God, you've been granted unlimited access to his throne 24-7. You can call on him any time. And he will hear and he will answer. That's why Psalms 24 says, lift up your head, you gates. Rise up, ancient doors. The king of glory will come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, you gates, and rise up, ancient doors. And the king of glory will come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of armies. He is the king of glory. And Paul said, now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and and ever. Amen. I am here to tell somebody he is king and as king of kings he has authority and dominion over your situation. He has to be more than a savior. My dad served in World War II told me that there were a lot of foxhole conversions what he called them. He said the battle was raging and the bombs were falling the bullets were zinging. He said, there was a whole lot of guys that said, oh, God, get me out of here, and I'll serve you forever. Only when things calmed down, the promise was forgotten and put on the back burner. But how many people totally miss a beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ simply because he's just an escape from a problem? I'll promise to serve you if you'll. You get my marriage back together, I promise I'll. Just get my kids off, fill in the blanks, and I'll really start going to church. But to this kind of person, he's only a savior. Save me from the moment. And they never really know Jesus Christ in the fullness of his power and dominion and authority. Until you recognize him as the king of kings and lord of lords. You see, as king of kings, he has all authority. And all things are under his feet. And as the only sovereign God, he's only responsible to himself. He's absolute king. And that absolutely works on our behalf. You see, even as a king, he still totally loves us. 
Not everybody loves me all the time. I have no clue why. But they don't. But God loves us 100% of the time. No matter what. Some people love me if I do good for them. We, we, we used to go to a restaurant in Buenos Aires, Sister Sponsor and I, and we tipped good. We did. Because you tip good, you get good service most of the time. And when we told them we were leaving, in, in just a second, there were five, like five or six waiters and waitresses around there saying, oh, you're going to leave, you're going to leave. Well, we're going to miss you so bad. We love you so much. I said, you don't love us. You love the tips I give. One said, well, yeah, that too, but we like you too. You know, if we do good, then people give us their approval. And that's what we like as human beings. We want approval and we want the affirmation. But if we do something wrong, there's a different story. Watch a child when he's done good, cleaned up the room, been good, acted right, hadn't talked back to mom. And he goes up to dad. He goes up with confidence. Hey, dad, we go out and get an ice cream cone today. Well, how's he done? Oh, he's been pretty good today. Well, yeah, let's go. But if he's messed up, he got in a fight, tore something down, he's not so quick to go up to Dad, is he, and say, hey, Dad, how about an ice cream cone? He's going to go up and say, uh, Father, don't you think it's kind of warm today? And You know why? Because we base approval on our works. We base our affirmation on if we've done good, then it's going to be okay. And sadly, that's how we develop our relationship with Jesus Christ sometimes. If I've been real good, I've taught a home Bible study, I've been to church, I gave in the offering, I paid my tithes, I can come here and worship. That thing's pretty cool, Jack. But maybe if someone cut me off on 70, and there was just a moment of the old life that flared up, Oh, I feel conviction in this house today. <laughs> We're kind of a little slow to come to the altar and say, Hey, God, I could use a miracle. You know why? Because we base so many times our relationship with him on our actions. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ loves you 24-7, nonstop. He loves you in spite of your strengths, in spite of your weaknesses. There's not a moment, hear me, not a moment that Jesus Christ does not love you. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 3.20, unto him who's able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Jeremiah 29.11 says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Peter said you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. And that he can do because he's king. If he was just a savior, that work's already done. But as king, that work continues. And as king, he exercises his authority to forgive your past. I was not always St. Michael. Uh, there was a time when I didn't have a halo on my head. 
And it used to be that when we go into our home district, there would be some people that would say, Oh, Mike, I remember when you were a young person. Isn't it amazing how God can love someone like you? Thankfully, most of them are dying off. But there's always one or two, huh? There's always one or two. Oh, I remember. But God's not like that. You absolutely are the highest value to Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know who gave this illustration the first time. I wish I had thought about it because it's really a cool illustration. It cost me a lot. Somebody want 20 bucks? Well, get up here. It ain't going, I'm not going down there. I might get up here, up here, up here, up here. Okay, here's 20. And I just hold your, cool your jets. Oh, the kid must be hungry. You in college? Yes, there we go. <laughs> That's 20 bucks. But it's kind of wrinkled up now. You still want it? You do? You sure? Well, fooey. Now it's wrinkle crushed and it's filthy. You still want it? Why? The value has not changed. Now let me be kind. Here's a clean one. I'll give this one as a tip. We'll be okay. The value hasn't changed. And when I was praying last night, I want you to know something. The Lord spoke to me and told me, you tell somebody there, it makes no difference what your past has been. If you've come from a dysfunctional home, if you felt like you've been crushed, if you felt like life has just ripped you apart, your value to Jesus Christ has not changed. Ladies and gentlemen, it makes no difference what the past sin in your life is. There is a king that has authority to say, no, 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 no. When I speak, the value's still there. When I speak, I can take the worst and bring them. God, hear me. The king is in the house and can absolutely raise you up into heavenly places. Only the king can say, I'll take care of it all. I've got the authority to forgive and to forget, and that's what he does. Don't ever think your past lies destroys your relationship with God. Don't think your past can determine your present. Your present and your future is not determined by your past. Your past is under the blood. That's where it is. That's where it stays. To God, he's got something for you right now. You ever notice the father of the prodigal didn't say, well, he's going to pay. He just said, my son. My, he never lost his relationship with his dad. Lord, we have people coming into the house of God anymore with such baggage. But I'm here to tell you, that's baggage that he'll take. 
and he gives a brand new life. What did they sing today? The weight of chains is broken by his glory. When the king steps in, nothing else matters except him. Him. Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll be sanctimonious idiots that throw your past in your face and the devil loves to try and condemn you and drag you down with condemnation over the past but when you know the king when you know Jesus Christ is king in the in your life he's got the authority and dominion to take your past and throw it under his blood and there it is forgotten and forgiven and he takes care of the present we simply don't have time to, to go through all the scriptures that talks about our relationship with Jesus and ourselves. But we can confidently say that he continues to work in us and through us and for us. He said in 1.6 of Philippians, I'm sure of this. He who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He is touched present with the feelings of our infirmities. He never leaves us or forsakes us present. He adopted us present. He heals us present. He continually forgives us presently. And the list goes on and on. But I'm here to tell somebody you need to discover a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. He didn't just save you from hell. He redeemed you for a brand new life. You see, he's going to take care of the future as well. His disciples looked at him and said, are you going to restore Israel now? And he said, it's not for you to know. Everyone's concerned about the future. What's going to happen, where we are in the grand scheme of things. I don't know where we are. I wish I knew. I just kind of got the idea that he's going to come when he comes. We were talking with Sister Buford. We decided we just kind of want the Lord to come before April 15th. That'd be a great time for him to come. <sighs> but one thing we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, if he's in us and we're in him, if he's our king, our future is secure. Doesn't mean I'm going to walk out and live like a devil. That's dumb. I mean, it's really dumb. There's people that think you can do that. I'll just go out and do what I want, live like I want, everything. Because his grace covers. No, that's not what grace does. Grace appears unto us, teaching us that denying worldly lusts. Grace isn't a license to sin. Grace is an open opportunity and an open door to know him and the power of his spirit. But whatever you know, understand this. Your future is secure if you're in him and he's in you. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, 14.1, he said. My father's house are many mansions. But we're not so, I would have told you, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and will receive you to myself. If you measure up to my standard. If you measure up to what I want. I want to be careful here because I'm not preaching easy believism. I'm not preaching you can do what you want. But I'm just telling you, when you are in him and he is in you, there is a security that will never, ever fail. Because he's the king. 
There's a day that's coming so very soon when the trumpet's going to sound. And those who have loved and obeyed and followed and walked with the King of Kings will find themselves rising up to meet him in the clouds. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's going to happen sooner than later. If you know the king, you don't have to spend sleepless nights worried about the future. If you know the king, he's got it under control. But if you only know him as an escape route, then you got to worry. Because when you, you slip that relationship, no, he's my savior. And 1 John 1, 9 says we confess and he, he's faithful and just to forgive. And that was written to the church. So yes, I need his grace every day and I need his blood every day. But ladies and gentlemen, I can go to him not as an escape, but as a solution. Because he has authority. Would you stand this morning? He looked at me, and I wish I'd thought to bring the picture, but he looked at me and he said, I'll never be good enough to get the Holy Ghost. It was in a prayer conference in Buenos Aires, and he came up to the altar, a young man that had known the Lord that had gone out into the world, and he was really out in the world. And he said, Brother Sponsor, all the things I've done, I could never come back to God. And I said, that's where you're wrong. Maybe if you were talking with your own dad, maybe that might be the case, but you're talking with the Heavenly Father. You're talking with the King. And he's already given the mandate, the edict. He that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Therefore, the door is open for your return. Got a picture of that kid. He was demon-possessed. He was strung out on drugs. As wild as you could find. But that night, God filled him with the Holy Ghost again. And the look on his face as he hugged me and then threw his arms straight up in the air, I will never forget as long as I live. Because when the king says the door is open, no one can shut it. And when the king says forgiveness is still here, it's still here. And when the king says your past does not dictate right now, I feel so strong to tell somebody you might have come from a dysfunctional background, but that doesn't stop you from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. This morning, this afternoon, you can still receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All you have to do is lift up your hands, ask him to forgive you, and then worship him, and he will pour out his spirit. Whoa, 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 what condition? No conditions. That's what the king said. 
And when the king said it, that's it. That's it. Would you lift up your hands? Lord, thank you for coming, robing yourself in flesh. You were born among us as a baby. You lived among us. You went through everything we've ever gone through. You were tempted exactly as we've been tempted. God, today we're looking at some people that we are not here because of our righteousness, but we're here because of your mercy and your grace. And yet there are people here that struggle with condemnation. And I'm praying right now, Lord Jesus, in your name, that those chains of condemnation will fall. That the voice of the one that will condemn them for their past will be silenced once and for all. We could understand that the king's in the throne and you've given the invitation. Therefore, we can come boldly before your throne. if someone would like to slip out from where you're standing. This is not condemnation. This is victory. This is opportunity. And you maybe would just like to renew that relationship with Jesus Christ. You're more than a Savior. You're my supreme authority. You're my righteous God. You're the one that opens doors and no man can shut it. Maybe you just like to take your past and just put it on the altar and say, I'm done with it. I'm not dirty. I'm not rotten. I'm not a half saint. I'm a child of God. I don't know. Maybe some of you'd like to come up and just put your arms around these and just help them pray. The king's in the house. And when Jesus is here, anything can happen. Would you lift up your hands and would you just worship the Lord?